because sharing information produces trust. And if, if there's more trust, then we can learn more about why we both want what we want. The competitor's not interested in that. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There really is no conversation too risky. This week, Dan and I sit down to discuss the third negotiation style, the competitor. This is the third installment in our negotiation style series based off of our negotiation style quiz that you can go take, find out your negotiation style, and then these conversations will be so much more meaningful for you. We dive into the strengths and potential blind spots of the competitor and some of the ways that these show up in our leadership and relationships. Let's dive in. Dan, how are you, brother? I'm well, thanks, man. Good. It's so good to have you back. It's just you and I today. Adrian is missing for this conversation. Yep, I'm going to miss him. And what the heck, let's give it our best shot. We'll give it our best shot. I think we can do it. Uh, But, you know, everybody out there there can let us know. Um, So today we're continuing the series around our negotiation styles. So this is the third style that we're talking about, which we call the competitor. Now, if you haven't taken the negotiation style quiz, you can go to negotiation.takenewground.com. You could take the quiz for yourself, get your results. Let's talk about why we want, just really quick, Dan, why, why do we want to know what our negotiation style is? What, how, does, how is this even rev- relevant? Why would we want to take the time? By the way, you can take the quiz in less than five minutes, but why would we want to take the time to understand what our negotiation style is? I think of it like um, like a golf swing, right? You got to know what's missing. You got to be aware of what's wanted and needed to be able to um, hone it, to be able to make it even more effective, right? And so the quiz just helps us look into the areas where uh, we might have some blind spots and then be able to open up those areas when we're in the midst of a conversation. We can be aware of what's going on and ask questions we would normally not ask or, you know, make invitations where we would normally just bull ahead or, you know, continue to go. And then wonder later on why we can't seem to break a ceiling, break through the ceiling of our effectiveness. Like we get stuck at a certain level and pretty soon it starts looking like it's inevitable that this is the only way, this is all that's available when I negotiate, which by the way is part of what happens for the competitor. Uh, Yes. Yeah. We're going to dive into that. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to further your analogy just to, uh, just to, to belabor it and and wear it out. Um, The golf analogy I think is really interesting because if you've played golf or really any sport, um, you can run up against these, what you call the ceiling or, or, or a place where you're not willing, you're not able to progress. And the problem with the, the challenge about that is that I can't watch myself golf. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I go along with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why Dan stands behind me and tells me everything that I'm fucking up. Um, 
<laughs> but but really like you can't watch yourself golf and so it's imperative that you i mean so, so many people record their swing so yeah. they can slow it down so that they can watch what you know how the balls how the club's making contact with the ball what the grip's doing what your shoulders doing all of that sort of stuff and this this is very the quiz is very much like recording yourself because you're going to answer some questions about how you relate to it Mm-hmm. how you relate to negotiating and how you relate to it is going to cause your results every single time. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to, there might be things you're even unaware of to look for, right? That's I mean, right. I mean, I watch videos of golfers, you know, and listen to them talk and I go, well, I never even knew that. I didn't know how important the grip was. I didn't know what a strong or a weak grip was. Maybe, and I didn't know about the positioning of my thumbs and the impact of that has on a swing or a hook or like that. So, just being aware of that, I can look into it and start to make adjustments. That's right. That's right. So we and and we talk about negotiation being the heart of leadership, mm-hmm. and every every result that we have in our life is a result of how we negotiate or how we relate to negotiation. So if if you're listening to this thinking, well, you know, I'm not negotiating any big business deal or prices on supplies or wages with my employees or whatever, just know everything, every conversation you're having in your life where you're working to get something done or to create something with somebody, I don't know, maybe say a a marriage or your parenthood or anything. I'm negotiating. I am negotiating, you know, time with my wife, time away from the family. How that's right. I'm negotiating that they'll support me. Uh, you know, vice versa, I'm, that my work will support me to be home with my family when when it's needed. Those kinds of things are every day. That's that's right. I even had a negotiation with myself this morning, <laughs> which was when the alarm went off at 5.30. I bet some people could relate to this negotiation, which is the alarm goes off and I had committed to myself to get to the gym this morning and the, the, when the alarm goes off, one part of me says, one voice in my head, one version of Chad says, oh man, it's all right. You can skip today. You've done really good this past week. You'll go tomorrow. You could even you could even add an extra 20 minutes to your workout tomorrow. No problem. Just stay in bed. It's super comfy. It's warm. You got, got Katie to snuggle up to. And then another part of me, another version of Chad is saying, hell no, you made a commitment to yourself. You said you're about discipline. So get your ass out of bed and go to the gym. And I'm having this negotiation and I notice that my negotiation styles show up in those times too uh, when I'm when I'm negotiating with myself. So as we start to pay attention, uh, as we open up our ears and our eyes, we realize that everywhere we're negotiating I even, you know, talk about, you know, getting our kids in the ad for the negotiation quiz, talk about getting the kids to get their shoes on to leave the house. That's a negotiation. (laughs) So all of that, we won't belabor it anymore, but it's so crucial to understand your negotiation style and the blind spots and the strengths that come with it. And that's why we created this quiz so that you can take some of this information into the way that you relate to other people and you get what you want and to start breaking some of those ceilings, to stop leaving value on the table, to stop losing focus of what it is that you really want in the minutia of what might be nice or easy, right? Yeah. So um, 
So great. So we get to dive into the competitor today. I, I wanted to I want to share a quick story. Um, this weekend I started building our garden boxes. We bought a we bought a house last year in April, and it was too late. I mean, not too too late, but it was in my mind there was a lot going on. It was too late to, to plant the garden. So this year is the is the year that we get to install the garden into the new place. And um, I've got huge plans for this thing. Like I'm building I'm building uh, seven different raised boxes. Wow. Um, some of them eight by four, four by four, 14 by four, really big, uh, garden boxes. Um, I got, I've got big plans for this and I've been planning it in my head. I've been talking about it, all of this sort of stuff. Well, I went and got all the materials this weekend and I, I went out, unloaded them into the front yard and Katie came out to help me. And <laughs> as I'm, as I'm starting to cut up all this lumber that I bought to build these raised boxes, she starts throwing out ideas of how to design this thing. <laughs> and I'm going, whoa, well, wait a second. I know exactly how this thing's going to be built. I've got it all planned out from, you know, from the boxes to the, the, the archway, the gazebo, as you walk through the boxes and, you know, I'm going to build a boardwalk between them. And she wants to now bring in a separate voice of what these, what this garden is going to look like and how it's going to be, be designed. And I noticed immediately my competitor showing up. <laughs> I noticed immediately how dogmatic I was about the specifics of how to get there. Right. So I wasn't, it wasn't the general, well, I want, you know, we're building a garden and we're building it together and we're going to have homegrown food for our family and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I got really dogmatic about how the archway looks in the walkway and where the pea trellis is going to be put up. And I just, I, I mean, it took me a couple of minutes, but I realized, oh my gosh, here's my competitor showing up. And that was so powerful because then I could tell Katie, I just, I literally told her, I said, Oh my gosh, my negotiation style is really showing itself right now. Yeah, well, you know, and there is a time for the competitor, obviously, but that sure. that, is, that is a general principle: is that you know the competitor is rec recognize that other ha others have needs, but not fr not frankly, just not as important as theirs, and <laughs> they'd like to get on with it, and and they generally see when I'm in the competitor, I see the you know, or we see the negotiation as a difficult time. It's conflict. It, it, it shows up like conflicted because I'm so attached to the way I want it to be, and, or at least to my positions. And, and the strength of that is w when there is a time to win an argument, the competitor is good at that. They've got the reasons mm. why, and they can tell you why. And there, there is a time for that. You know, there is, there's a time to win at an argument or to at least, mm vie in the argument powerfully. However, it, the tendency is because I don't want too much trouble. I don't want to get off of what my positions are, is I'll just tend to argue every point. And yes. And and, and I feel entitled to my position on top of it. So the other the other parties may feel like there's just no way to work. They either got to do my way or the highway. Uh yes. generally. And then when we get down to you know dividing the pie, that's which starts to show up. Yeah. 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 I mean, we tend to experience it. We tend to experience negotiation as difficult. Yeah. Uh, we, we would prefer not to do it. 
um, we, we, we hope or assume or act as if there's a better way to get what we want than negotiating. Like, which is like, at least the way that it shows up for me is like, either it's my way or I don't care enough and I'm okay getting in line for other people's way. Right. Rather than finding some common ground that, that we can, that we can operate from. Yeah. Yeah. If if you think about competition, it means I automatically have a presupposition that my interests are going to collide with yours. Usually, <laughs> that's usually, and we've talked about interests and positions, but that's usually because I've, I've, conflu- I've flattened out the difference between an interest, my interest and my position. And so I think that if I have to get off of the position I have, I'm going to somehow lose something and I don't look and see how it, what are the other ways that my interest could be met? I just drive mm. off and compete. I have my interest, my positions compete with the positions of the other party. Even when they're, they're being flexible, I might even get suspicious because mm. I feel like they're trying to subversively get me off of my position so they can get their way, which may be true, but they're getting their way also may give me more of what I want. So. Let's talk about, um, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, entitlement for yeah. a second. Cause entitlement shows up a lot for the competitor entitlement. They, they feel entitled to the resources that they are now having to negotiate for. And uh, just in general, Dan, as you think about entitlement, what, what is it that's actually happening? Well, I, you know, there are a number of dynamics, but generally entitlement comes out of a, a victim mindset. Like I feel like, like you're trying to do it to me. You're trying to do something to me, but, but I feel entitled to my position because I have a logic behind it. And mm. you're, you're offering a different way to meet my interests will feel like you're, you're doing something to me. Yes. And I don't, I have a basic distrust. You know, if you're competing, it's hard to, you don't, you, you, you'll probably withhold information that you could very easily share and create trust and, and even gain more information from the other party. But you, I may not, if I'm being competitive in this manner, if my competitor's up and I've done this where I've held information close to the vest because I felt like if I, shared it, it somehow could be used against me. So I don't even share it. But if, you know, as I've matured in that, I found that there's ways to identify what what's really good to share and what's not. Because sharing information produces trust. And if, if there's more trust, then we can learn more about why we both want what we want. The competitor's not interested in that. They feel like that what they want is should be very obvious to everyone. And, <laughs> and, and when, you know, when I'm fully in my competitor, I've been there and they ought to see this. And if they don't, I have suspicion. I get suspicious. So I get even more entitled to my position. Yes. Yeah. Right on. It's like, you know, it's me assuming again, I guess, I guess uh, we really did have a great weekend building the garden, but I guess like my my uh, my dynamics with Katie are top of mind because I just think about the times when I uh, think that she should know what I need, or I think that she should. Um, 
Yeah, she should know. I mean, doesn't she see? I'm, I'm right. Isn't this obvious? Right. And I shouldn't have to ask for it. Yeah. Um, and or draw attention to it. And like, you know, I can run the racket, the whole racket of like, look how hard I'm working over here. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, well, you can you can actually see this at work on a team as well. Right. Like you ought to know if I hired you to do something, you ought to know what it's going to take to get it done. And if you if, if you ask too many questions, then, you know, there must be something wrong here. You right. You really could. You know, you're you're not on board and I'm going to start getting edgy with you and you're going to probably wonder what's up. Right. I mean, yeah. I've heard it so many times I hired this person. I'm not a babysitter. Okay, <laughs> Nobody said you were. Let's just look at is what you want to have happen with this person going to happen. And if it's not, I wonder what might, what your part might be in it. It's very well, it's very likely, it could be that they did, that they, they really don't want the job. Could be that, you know, you have done a lot and they haven't picked it up. It could be a lot of those things. However, if you don't look and see, you'll never know. If you just go mm-hmm. to, and, and that's a competitive thing, right? Because you're imagining, you know, they've done this before somewhere else, but they may not have done it in this position on this team. So, right. So it, right. It, it behooves you, it behooves me to really understand or to be open to investigating the complexity of the condition that I'm dealing with. I bring this up because I've, I've done a lot of work with teams. I had a, 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 a VP I was working with, actually VP of ops, and they were convinced that the person that they just hired as an operations manager for over one of the divisions was just, you know, they weren't qualified. They lied about their competency. And and she gave me all reasons why she listed them out, how many times she talked about what she wanted to get done. And um, yep. when we started doing it, I said, well, why not, do you mind if I investigate? Right. Because I was working as a chief of staff. I said, I'd love to just sit down and understand. I mean, if, if you were missing something, would you want to know? And she said, yeah, I would. Very. And so we sat down and we together started to investigate with this other um with, with the operations manager. And, and it was really interesting because just investigating caused the operations manager to get real open about what they didn't know, what they wanted, and they weren't asking for it. And I asked them, I said, why, why haven't you made these requests? And they said, well, you know, the, the, let's just call it Virginia would get so mad that I didn't think she was, if I asked for another thing, I, you know, I might lose my job. And and then Virginia said, well, no, that's not the case. If I'd have known that, I could have easily directed you. So she started to realize that how, how impactful her attitude was and that the request that could have been made would have been valuable, but the person was holding back. And the more they held back, and the person negotiating as well, they were holding back. They were trying to find a compromise. They didn't, mm-hmm. they, they didn't like the tension. And they couldn't find the compromise. And every time they tried to find a compromise, of course, this, the VP of operations was getting upset because she looked at it as a, like this person doesn't want to get up to the standard, right? So we That's make, right. and if you think about it, all the studies show that when the thing that foils agreement or undermines any agreement, 87% of the time is cognitive. That's why we do this attitude 
inventory because it's a very powerful cognitive kind of mapping, like where I generally go when I'm negotiating. And if I'm aware of it, well, then I can open my, I can open up to other ways of viewing what I'm doing to see it, to get another view, to see if there's more than what I'm seeing. So, yeah. And even if, uh, if you're listening to this and you didn't get competitor on your quiz, but you're a leader of people, you, you're going to want to know this as well because you're going to have competitors on your team. And yeah. the more those around you know where you tend to go or you know where they tend to go, you can be with them in a way that compensates for some of the blind spots that occur with each of these attitudes. And you can start to shift the person you can start to shift your style or they can start to shift their style based on how you interact with each other. Well, I can create a narrative. I can create some conversation where I can say, look, what did you hear me say? Or what did you think I was saying? It appears that you feel like if somebody's getting really competitive, it appears like I'm missing something mm-hmm. that you think I should be seeing because I'm not seeing it. Or yeah. you know, what do you think I'm saying? What do you hear me saying? Because nine times out of 10, I'll learn something if I get inquisitive, if I get flexible enough where I'm, okay, let's hold this off for a minute. Let's just show, yeah. slow it down. I can see we're getting we're getting nowhere right now. And I'd love to understand what you're seeing. That yeah. really opens a ton. So There's something I want to press in on, Dan, before we talk about the blind spot and the strength that we outlined for this style. Um, so you said earlier, there's a time for argument or there's a time to work to win an argument. I, that really caught my attention. Right. And I, I was wondering what you were thinking of when you were, when you were talking about that. Well, I've, I've done a number of um, mergers and acquisitions. And uh, there's, I'm thinking of a specific one I had. I did. And there are points where you have to get your point across. Like they got to get, this is a deal breaker. And there's a number of ways to do that. It's not just me saying, oh, this is a deal breaker, right? Sure. And there's a number That's of That's only ways. one tool in the shed. Right. And so, you know, you what arguments are worth going to war over, right? Like, what do I know I need to, you know, like th- these are positions that represent certain interests and I'm going to be open to other ways they might be able to be handled. However, if I can't see them getting handled there, we're better off apart than together. That's right. Right. So understanding how to break that down, and that's part of what we do in the negotiation lab is how do you chunk some of this down so you can make wise decisions and pick the right hills to die on. That's really, mm-hmm. that's really yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. And understanding your style can help you identify those hills. Yeah. Otherwise you can get lost in the minutia. Just like I was, I was getting lost in the detail of where the P where the P's uh, trellis should be (laughs) rather than, well, a, I want to, I want my wife to help me. I want to work on this with her. And the whole goal is for us to build something for our family. So I was getting caught up in the detail. If I understand my style, I can step back from the details and say, Hey, that is not a hill I want to die on in this conversation. Well, when we when you first came on board and we started working together, I think you were more in the competitive style than you are now, like than you mm-hmm. go to now, because you were very clear about what you wanted, and and I found myself a lot of times going, "Well, okay," I, it, like you seemed almost positioned and stuck, 
in the way you saw it. And it a couple not of times, almost, not almost positioned in stack. And I remember a couple of times, you know, I mean, I've, I've used the two by four with you. I've do, used invita- invitation. I've used pre, you know, supposing yep. this and, and I've seen you move, but you know, when we first started working together, I remember, well, you know, you'd get stuck, you get a little, you get edgy, you start getting, you'd start yeah. pushing back before we even started the conversation. And yep. I go, Oh, okay. And the way I've, I see this. Well, I might as well hear this guy all the way out. Maybe I'm missing something, right? He sure seems edgy right now. We better check. <laughs> Remember those? Oh yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's been an evolution. That's why I have loved this series. Is because it's been such an evolution for me. Even yeah. even currently, even launching that, working on this quiz and working on that, you know creating copy and stuff that help will help people understand these styles has created such an evolution for me. That's why I hope everybody, you know, when, when you take the quiz and you get your results, you get the description in your email, you get the description of all the styles and that's on purpose because it's best for you to understand all of the styles that may show up in your life and in, and on your team. So that's been incredibly transformative for me. Yeah. You um, know, and, and it's been, I've, I've gotten a lot of response from the quiz. And I had a, a gal call me the other day, you know, geez, I, I, I took it once and I got collaborator and I took it the other time and I got competitor, which am I? And I would say, well, we're, we're both, you know, and sure. maybe we're right on the cusp, you know, some, there are probably times when you go competitive and other times when you go collaborative, you know, it's not like you are this, it's like, these are, as you pointed out, there are possibilities that, uh, you know, I, like multiple types of personalities, if you will, are yes. ways of being in the negotiation that can come out. And and we've just noted noted that these are the different areas that we've noticed when we negotiate where people tend to go. And understanding yes. that makes me more receptive and open and able to navigate a negotiation and evaluate the asymmetries that I'm looking for the upsides, if you will, that I'd like to have happen. And how can I have that happen? And which means how can I give you what you want in a way that I get what I want? And that's, that's, yes. you know, like, how can I have that happen? That's so being able to recognize that also takes a little pressure off me. So if I see myself going competitive or I start to compromise, I can, I can, cause I notice I can go to compromise too, too quickly. Yes. It's when I, it's like, if I don't feel like negotiating, if I think the negotiation is too competitive, too uncomfortable, I may get competitive. And mm-hmm. the styles from competitor on after competitor tend not to like negotiation more and more and more, right? And the less you want that tension, the quicker you're going to want to relieve the tension. And so you're going to implement one of these strategies. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that strategy for the competitor. So the blind spot, the major blind spot that we outline is becoming dogmatically combative. Yeah. And that's what I illustrated from my story uh, in the garden with Katie, positioning the other parties and creating stalemates that undermine your interest. Yeah. So with, to bring that back to my, to my story, my interest, if I were to, if somebody would say, Hey, Chad, give me 10,000 foot view of why you're building this garden, why you're investing so much money and time. Well, for me, it's a couple of things. One, the number one thing is a place 
for me to spend some time with my family. Mm-hmm. And and then second to that would be for us to cl- to grow clean, fresh food for our family. And so if I were to, that would be, that's what I would state is my interest. I don't have, you know, and there, and then there's all the little details that I put in place in order to achieve that interest. Uh, now knowingly without, <laughs> I did yeah. without Katie. Right? No, right on. And, and so I got dogmatic and combative and positioned in some of those things. And even in, in, even you, for a moment, when, when you say dogmatic, so for the listener, what do you mean? I mean, uh, that I, have a belief about what this thing is and it can't be questioned or even conversated about. Right. So you're certain about your point of view yes. but, and you're not open and reflective to others perspective and how it might look. That's right. That's so you're right. Gonna argue your point of view and not even consider theirs because that's you're right. Landed on this. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's right. Dogmatic is. Yeah. Yeah, well, shit, I'm already putting the screws into the wood. I mean, that that phase is over, Dan. <laughs> I've, been there. I've been there a few times. And you know what's crazy is if you are you tend towards the competitive side and somebody is themselves on something and they they they're doing something, you may expect them to react the same way you would. Right. Right? And so you might not even say anything because you'll think well, I'm not going to say anything. They're already involved. And yes. they just get pissed off when, when, in fact, they may thank you for getting involved and putting oh, your that's opinions. so true. That's so true. When I am in my competitor yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm in my competitor style, uh, and that's what I was trying to illustrate, but you put it so much better than I did when I said, you know, I will just fall in line. I won't. If, if somebody looks like they are beyond a certain point of discussion, yeah. I won't interrupt it when I'm in that style. I'm getting, I'm getting better and I'm making different choices, but I won't interrupt and say, Hey, are we thinking about this the right way? Or are we thinking about this? And you know, have we, have we considered all the conversations around this? Because I'm like, no, they're already gone. Like they're, they're, you they're, know, they're that far down. I, 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 it came to me. Actually, I thought about it because of an interaction I had with you recently, you know, and you were really awesome. You, you, it was when we were talking about some, like, you know, we're looking at budgets and cash flow and what do we, you know, we don't know exactly, you know, how quickly we want to move on certain investments yep. and, and which, you know, some of them of which you're involved in. And I noticed you were really ginger, but you did address it. You you called Adrian and me for a meeting and we had it. And then you were pr- pretty apologetic. And I think you were watching me and I was thinking about it. And I, you and you, you thought my, there might be something I was upset about. Right sure. And you asked and yeah. I said, Oh no, uh-huh. I'm, I think this is right on. And then you relax. I watched you relax. I said, no, mm-hmm. this is right on. I'm you're, I, what you're seeing is me honestly not knowing exactly what it's going to look like if it looks like anything. And so I need your help. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we got into a very detailed conversation of what needed to happen in some of these different initiatives. And that really helped me understand like, okay, got it. This we definitely want to do, that we want to do, and we can do because they're not what I thought they were. And yep. so it was really helpful. But that was an example of where I saw it. I thought you were kind of, oh, he's thinking I'm upset at him when I'm I'm just in my own mind trying to figure out what we really do need to do to support you, right? Yes. And so yes. That's because that's that where you might go, well, he's already got his mind made up, right? Like he's having yeah. this conversation he already hasn't made up, but I didn't, yeah. Yes. Yep. Got it. 
All right. So the strength, the strength that we've outlined is, and we've already talked about this, but there's a couple of things I want to add to it. Ability to argue a point or a position. And the reason I just want to highlight again, if it wasn't that obvious earlier in the conversation, the competitor becomes really strong when the points of argument, like the, the, the hills that you will die on when those become apparent and yeah. you're intentional about those, the competitor is really strong. Yeah. It's a yeah. really great place for the competitor to show up because you can argue that shit to, you know, to the, to, to, to the end of which you're, which you're wanting to get to. Yeah. You, and, and you do that well, cause you'll say, that's not going to work for me. And here's why. And then you note it, you note very specifically why you want what you're asking for, which helps. Yeah. Cause then I can go, Oh, okay. Got it. And how about if we tried it this way? Cause then I, now I know what you're aiming at. I either do it that way or I can, I can offer something other than that. So that's one of the benefits of being able to argue a point well, right? Because you've thought every detail out. You're very clear about your interests. And so that helps, that can help on the other side, you know. Now, yeah. you know, where it hurts is if you get hooked up in the argument, like, like, like you, that's right. The, the aim changes from having this workout, something to work with my kids in the garden with, to I'm going to prove Katie wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> that, that's where it doesn't work. And then you're that's on exactly right. Then you take a trip to Idaho and we go fishing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it doesn't even, you know, I know that this is what I'm doing subconsciously as I am proving her wrong. It's not how I'm thinking. What How I'm thinking is like, ah, shit, we're beyond that. Or like, or she doesn't get it, right? She yeah. doesn't get all, all that's at play here. She doesn't know how much I've thought through this thing, like all of that sort of stuff. And, and I noticed myself doing that for the, on the team as well. It's like, ah, oh, they don't know what's going on. They don't know all the things that I'm thinking about, blah, 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 blah. We just got to move on. I just got to make my point, argue it, win it and go. Yeah, and, right. um, right. yeah. So, so it's so interesting, man. And this has been so enlightening, uh, fantastic conversation. Anything that you want to cap all of this competitor conversation with. Yeah, I, I just want people to be aware that we're not talking about, like, these are strengths that turn into weaknesses because they're overplayed. They're not yeah. something you have to get rid of. It's like understanding when to apply them. Yeah. And being able to catch when they, if you're really comfortable with them, you know, we have, we have a tendency, at least I do have a tendency to play what I'm strong at when I'm most insecure so if I'm overplaying something, it's re it's a sign for me to back off and l maybe listen a bit about what's going on. But I notice that people have a tendency to think one is better than the other, when in fact the way to kind of become masterful at it is to you know understand when they're appropriately used in the in the process. Um, that's really I, I think the most important thing is not to pigeonhole yourself into one or the other, but to understand and become and embrace, become familiar with what's going on. It's like, you know, we, we come back to sports analogies a lot, which is fine. But I think of it as like playing the, the running the same play over and over again that you're good at. Yeah. Right. You, one, if, even if you're, even if you're killer at it and it gets them every time you run that play too many times and you're, that's the worst thing you could do. Now it becomes a weakness. 
And uh, it's it's very much the same thing. It's very much, uh, like you said, an insecurity. I see that in myself. Um, I, at the times when I get caught up on the fighting the wrong hill, right? Yeah. Um, dying on the wrong hill, it's because of my insecurity. It's because of my... Um, my uh, un unwillingness to be uncomfortable and maybe that there's something else available. And that might, that might uh, require more energy and it might require me to second think or, or, or reconsider what it is that I decided. And all of that feels can feel like a threat. Yeah. And there's exactly, it, it, you're going to start feeling like that because there's going to be tension. The closer you get to dividing the pie, the more tension that comes up and the more, mm comfortable you can get in that tension, the more resourceful, creative, innovative you're going to be while you're in it. And and you can actually relax the other parties in the negotiation in a way that can benefit everybody at the table. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. that, that's, that's really what I'm aiming at with the negotiation lab is to just create that kind of opportunity for people to get to know themselves in a more intimate way when they get into these tensions so they can utilize them to their advantage in the long run. All right. So what can people do? Uh, if something in this conversation has caught your ear, if you've taken this, the, the negotiation style quiz or, or people on your team have taken the quiz and you want to know how this relates to your culture, to your leadership, to the way that you relate to each other, we want to have that conversation with you. So you can reach out to us uh, by any means possible. We're on all the socials. You can email email me, chat at takenewground.com. We would love to hear what difference the, the quiz is making for you and how we can support your team. Yep. And this has been great. Thanks, Chad. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Ciao. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.